Chris and I, we were at a youth event. We saw the youth are in a new season. The discipleship class, people have signed up for it already. We'll talk about that later. The hungry children of God are in a new season. And can you believe it? The children go back in a month to school. The families are in a new season. So every one of us is in a new season. Now, the church is in a season of preparedness. It is not a season of fear. It's in a season of preparedness. On Wednesdays, we talk about the lost identity. Who am I? On Sundays, we've been talking about the signs of the end times. You see that on the monitor. Number one, many will be offended. Number two, false prophets, false teachers. Number three, lovers of themselves. And Pastor Jose introduced a while ago perverse cultural behaviors. Wednesdays and Sundays go together. A lost identity causing signs of the end times. The end times caused by our lost identity. We must learn again who am I. But today, knowing the end times is not to scare you. It is to prepare you for the end times. We are in a season of preparation. The pastors today, Pastor Jose and Pastor Melly, they're in a season of preparation. They're on an assignment. We here, we're in a season. We're in a season of preparation. I'm honored to introduce our guest speaker today, our preacher, a true man of God. I met him about five years ago, maybe a little bit more. It was about the time he was going through a new season. He was getting married. I was doing some photography and video work. I cried at the wedding. <laughs> but today, he's going to talk to us about the fourth sign of the end times. And I'm proud to have him as my brother in Christ, a true man of God. I welcome Minister Eddie Diaz. God bless the church, amen? Do you have time for one more worship? I want you to meditate on this song that I gave media, and there's a reason for it. I want you to understand that the coming of Christ is near, amen? And a lot of the times we, we seem to be stuck in our own agendas and our own understandings, and we don't be, or we aren't mindful of that this will be taking place, amen? So if we can get that on. And we will continue.
God is looking for a church that knows how to worship, but not a worship of lip service, a worship that is going to continue through the hardship, through the trials, through the tribulations. A worshiper that knows how to worship in spirit and in truth, because God is spirit. And the question is, who's going to make it? Who's going to make it? That's the question. Who's going to make it? Because many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And we need to understand that the time of the kingdom of God awaits its bride. Who is going to be on the list? Who is going to hear the trumpets? Who is going to see? Who is going to raise up as a church? This is an awakening. Many were not expected because of the ignorance that they choose to be in. But the coming of Christ is coming. Whether we are prepared or whether we are not prepared, you don't determine the time. You don't determine the date. You don't determine anything. We don't have the power to determine that. The Bible says that nor the angels nor the sun nor the time of the sun coming to receive his bride, to receive his body, to receive his church. We cannot determine that. If we can determine that, we will be prepared. We will be prepared. We will be prepared. We will be prepared. God bless you, church. God bless you more. I said, God bless you, church. I said, God bless you more. I said, who's ready for the coming of Christ? I said, who's ready to receive its husband, its maker, its creator? Is there anybody in the building that's ready for that? If there's anybody in the building that is not ready for that, today is the day to give your life to Christ. Because you woke up with an opportunity. We're going to go straight to the word. Isaiah 54, verse 5. Isaiah 54, verse 5. Amen? Do you have it, church? Are we still waiting, church? 
It is in great honor to today and a great responsibility. I remember when I first started church, the church that I had converted to, we used to, what they call keep Sabbath holy, that would be Saturday. And we had church Monday, we had church Tuesday, we had church Wednesday, we had church Friday, then we had church Saturday morning and Saturday night. And whenever the pastor would give you the opportunity to preach on a Saturday, you knew that was a great honor. And in that same way, it is a great honor to bring the message on a Sunday, amen? We hold it with the same respect and the same holiness that it deserves. Amen? Isaiah 54, verse 5 reads, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the church says, Amen. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth. He is called a man. You may be seated. I don't know what it was, but the way that the Holy Spirit allowed me to bring today's message is very different, but I understood it. I took it very personal. Amen. Isaiah 54, verse 5 reads, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. One would ask, what does that have to do with a perverse generation? We will get there. Not only we were called to be the body of Christ, children of God, a chosen racehood, a royal priesthood or holy nation. We were also to be called the bride of Christ. We are called to become one with our maker. When we understand the lessons in scriptures that talk about marriage, is then when we will understand the full concept of what God expects from his bride. Scriptures such as, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate, Mark 10.9. When we fully understand the commitment of a relationship between a man and a woman here on earth, which is marriage, the responsibilities, the caring, the fight of temptation, that although we are in a relationship of marriage, although we took that oath, we are still being tempted because we remain in the flesh, but when we understand the responsibilities, the carrying, the fight of temptation, controlling the tongue in the midst of arguments, controlling the eyes when a man or female walks by, faithfulness, fidelity, and above all that no man can separate the union that God has joined together. It's then when we will fully understand that absolutely nothing will separate us from the love of God. The Apostle Paul said, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death. I'm going to repeat that because it's just... It's just so beautiful. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 8 
scripture such as, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. When we comprehend the full concept of becoming one to be joined together in the natural realm because that's the thing. A lot of the times we're in the natural realm and we can't even overcome that. We can't even overcome the relationship in the marriage, the brotherhood, the friendship, and keep it loyal here on the natural realm. So how are we expected to do so in the spirit, holding no spiritual life, holding no prayer life, holding no fasting, holding no congregation, holding nothing that has to do with a God that is spirit, but yet we don't seek the spirit because we're stuck in the flesh. But when we comprehend the full concept of becoming one to be joined together in the natural realm, it's then when we will fully comprehend what it is to be joined together in one spirit as a bride that awaits the groom in the spiritual realm. Amen, church. We are in the end times. The bride awaits her maker. The signs from the teachings that were brought to us by the pastor were Many will be offended, false prophets, lovers of self. And now we continue with the fourth sign, perverse generation. I have concluded that these four signs have allowed us to witness a self-centered, self-made, and overall egotistical illustration of what we see today. Perverse is defined as someone that behaves in a way that is unreasonable, or unacceptable despite the consequences. So you know you're doing wrong, but you continue doing it. That's a perverse generation. Meaning, biblically, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. James chapter 4, verse 17. This is a perverse generation. God has always, I said God has always attended for his bride to stand out. We're going to go to the book of Exodus. It's awfully quiet, church. And I believe it's because you're listening and you're receiving what God has for the church. You see, a lot of times we forget that now. Only does God receive praise and worship, but we also want to receive what God has for the church. We believe that that was the way that God, or Jesus better said, would catch the attentions of the multitude. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3 to 9 reads, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You what I did for the Egyptians and how I bore you on Egypt. For if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured 
possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel, God talking to Moses. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before him all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. I'm going to repeat that. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I will repeat, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you, Moses, forever. But wait, something happened here. In the midst of waiting for Moses, the people that agreed to do what God asks them are now turning their ways. That's a perverse generation. The same people that said, all that you have commanded from us, we agree. We're going to do that. But when we go to chapter 32, it's a whole, whole different story with the same people, the same generation, the same people that agreed to do everything that God asked of them. The same people that God took them out of slavery from Egypt. It was the same people. It's just like us right now that we all come to an agreement and we say all that God asks from us, we will do. And we turn our ways. It's the same scenario. This is a perverse generation. And I don't know if you remember when the pastor was bringing uh, the first, when he opened the introduction of the perverse generation. And for some reason, he was talking about, not for some reason, we know why he was talking about Noah. But for some reason, he kept talking about Moses. You remember that? And he said, I don't know why I keep talking about Moses. And I opened up the Bible and I allowed the Holy Spirit to, to flow me through it. He brought me to Moses. This is a perverse generation. Chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountains, why did he delay coming from the mountains? Because he was getting instructions from God to how to lead the people. But it was the same people that voiced it in unity and said, all that the Lord asks of us, we will do. But now Moses is taking too long. Now he's just taking too long. Where is he at? When the people saw that this delayed coming down from the mountains, the Lord, the people, excuse me, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, men's gods, who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off your rings. Who got rings? Take them off. Who got earrings? You got earrings? Take them off. Take them off right now. Why? Because the same people that agreed to something now can wait on the coming of the law, of the coming of the instructions. They don't even know where Moses went. They don't know. They just know that he's taking too long. So now what they're going to request is we need God because that's what their flesh and their wanted. So now they're saying, quick, take off your earrings. Take off your, your rings, your bracelets. Whatever is made out of gold, give it to me. Bring them to the front. That's what they did. 
I kid you not, I took prints, but God knows I needed a copy on my phone for a reason. I don't even know what, the, what those prints came from. We wasn't too correct. Who's paying attention? When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of Egypt, we do So Aaron, take off the rings that are in the east of your and your daughter and bring them can I get a new mic amen let's see how this one flows take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives your sons and your daughters and bring them to me so all the people took off their rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a with a graving tool and made a golden calf and they said these are your gods of Israel who brought you out of the land of Egypt how did he do that Perverse generation, how do you do that? You just received the commandments of God. You were just talking to God by Moses, with Moses interceding. There was a conversation that was taking place. You agreed to something, and God just told you, I am the God that took you out of slavery, out of the hands of the Egyptians. But now that you can't wait for something, you determine that you want to make your own image of God? When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, go down for the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves, perverse generation. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them, perverse generation. They have made for themselves a golden calf, you perverse generation. And have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. That's like me. That's like me, God taking me out of my struggles in the past. And now that I'm where I'm at, I just give the glory to something that I made. How quickly they had forgotten the Ten Commandments when God spoke to them. And God spoke to them from a distance. That's what I'm not understanding. The thing about it is that it's not writtenly in order. But you have to put it in order when you go to the book of Exodus. So you go back to chapter 20 from verse, from chapter 34, or was it 32? Thank you. That's why I love my church. They paying attention. That means God is talking. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, 
out of the house of slavery, you should not have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You should not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children. Check this out. To the third and the fourth generation there was a generational curse taking place y'all generation curses taking place in the book of Exodus and we think we better we think that can't happen to us you should not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of of the fathers of the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. They must have forgot, you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. They must have forgot, you should not commit adultery. And how is that so? Because we're talking about being the bride of Christ. The people receive the commandments from God and agree on keeping them as a lip service. When we understand what a lip service is, yes, we all agree. But once you take long, we're going to do what we want. Perverse generation. Yeah, I don't see God. I don't hear him. Perverse generation. Yeah, I don't believe. But when I'm stuck... When I need help, that's when I call on a God, a God that I never visited, a God that I never spoken to, a God that I, I, I never encountered, a God that I never even experienced. How you going to talk about an encounter with God when you ain't even experienced God? That's lip service. You say what sounds good. The people had the moment where they heard the voice of God and yet forgot about it. The people had an identity from God by keeping these commandments. You see, that's why if you come on Wednesday, we keep saying God is trying to do something with these two series that's going on on Sunday and Wednesdays. They're playing a part, and I think we're tr we figured that out towards the ending of it. You know, what I, mean? I don't know if it's the ending, but I think something's happening to where we're figuring out that in order to understand the end times, we have to understand our identity with God. The people had an identity from God by keeping these commandments. All God wanted for them is to be different, to look different, to act different, to be a royal priesthood. He just wanted good for them. The people had an identity from God by keeping these commandments, but are now rejoicing, giving honor, praise, and offerings to their golden rings, or should I say their golden calf. This is a self-centered, self-made, and overall egotistical illustration of what we see today. Perverse generation, for whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Not being prepared is a sin. Not being prepared while instructions are being given to you on how to become prepared is a sin. How many of us know how much it takes to get things prepared for our weddings? Some will say, but I didn't have a big wedding. 
It was at home. It was at the city hall. It was small, something intimate, you know, between the friends and family. But even with all that, an internal preparation needed to take place. You needed to know who you was going to get married with when you made that commitment. So it doesn't matter if you had a big wedding or you had the most smallest wedding between you and your family. Because the commitment came from the inside before the flowers and the decorations. You see, quick testimony. Before I got married with my wife, we couldn't even be together. We broke up three times in three years. And the person that held us for being together was her pastor and my pastor. Talk about a religious mindset. And they say, no, this can't happen. I'm 25 years old, and she's about 21, 22. At the time, I'm a grown man. She's grown. She came from foster homes. So if anything, the one who needed to leave his mother and his father was me. Because her parents been left her, and I said it with all due respect. But she was waiting for her husband. And when her husband arrived, men tried to get involved to the point that they said, no, this can't be done, and why not? Because it just doesn't make sense. Why doesn't it make sense? What are we doing? What's so wrong? They didn't want to lose me in the church. They didn't want to lose her at the church. So they created a conflict to the point that we had to leave each other for the sake of the church. Or should I say for the sake of the building? Let's clarify that. For the sake of the buildings that we were in, they wanted us to separate ourselves. But it was something that we were already invested in. I couldn't forget about her and she couldn't forget about me. It was a divine connection that had taken place. You know, we have two different stories of how we met, but I believe mine's is right. And she believes hers is right. So we agree to disagree. But the point of this is that when it came down to it, I had lost my license for like 10 years. I got it when I was 17, young people. Got my license when I was 17. Lost it before I was 18 and lost it for 10 years. I got it back when I came to the church. And with that, the first thing I did when I got my license in my car was drive by Miosote Guzman's house. And it was a two-door, y'all. <laughs> so as I'm driving by, it was Thanksgiving. Ain't that something? Thanksgiving. Thank you, God. She happens to be walking down the stairs. Go down the window. Hey. You don't pick up my phone calls? And she goes, oh. You going? I'm going to work. On Thanksgiving? Yeah. I'm like, get in the car. I'll drive, I'll drive you to work. Drove her to work. What are you doing for Thanksgiving tonight? Come to the house with my parents. We're going to, you know, celebrate Thanksgiving. She came. Fast forward. We had to put a sign in front of God. And the sign was, 
that we was going to sign an application for an apartment, I have a criminal background. So I automatically knew that that was impossible for me. But she didn't know that. She knew that I had a criminal background, but she was more ignorant to the law because she never picked up a case. So, or, or you know, she was raised away from that or wasn't so much educated on it. Any way you want to interpret it. So I said, listen, I'm going to try to get her on her feet and make her have her own little studio. $500. Why she can't have that? $500 a month. What happened was that she comes and she signs the application for that studio or apartment and got denied. So I come on a Monday before I go to church, I go on Craigslist, and I go and visit this apartment building. And the guy immediately, he was a maintenance, opens the door and says, this apartment is for you. And I said, no, but I need it under both of our names. I have a criminal background. He's like, don't worry, this apartment is for you. I said, are you serious? But remember, I need to be on the lease. He says, no, I'm going to talk to the landlord. This apartment is for you. And I said, okay, then this apartment is for me. I was trying to duck and weave from every situation. I wanted to get married, but the commitment is different. It's a lip service. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll marry you. That's lip service. But when it comes to really doing it, you start to get cold feet. So fast forward from that, that same week, I, it was Monday. I took the application. My wife, he called me on Tuesday, calls me, hey, what's the application? I go, brother. I just seen you yesterday. He goes, but this apartment is for you. <laughs> so we signed the application. I returned it on Wednesday. On Thursday, my wife receives the call from the landlord in Florida saying the apartment is for you. Do you have 1600 I go, bae, I only got 1000 in the bank. How much do you have? And she goes, I only got 300 So we're $300 short. Before this even took place, she had... A, a um, commitment in New York to bring the preaching on that Saturday. On that Saturday, she wakes me up after preaching, coming back from New York, and she goes, Bay. And I go, What's going on? She goes, I received the offering and it's $299. And she goes, Do you have a dollar? I didn't hang up. You see her with me. So I had the dollar, and I go, oh, man, we getting married. <laughs> that was our preparation. Everybody has a different preparation. While preparing to be married, we was preparing for an apartment. It was hard, but we prepared ourselves. Now, what if I told you that the preparation for a bride that awaits her husband did not depend on a limousine cake vendor, men, and the list can go on, but only depended on one thing, and that was all that provided light to stay on watch for the group. We do so much for an experience, but so little for an encounter. Matthew 25 reads, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. 
I'm going to repeat that. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Late, later, that, later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open a door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Fast forward, I'm going to say it in my version. All right, there was ten versions, and they all were after the same thing, to join what? The wedding banquet. And when it came down to it, Five of them were prepared because they came with their lamps and they came with the oil that continued the fire and the flames of the lamps. And five of them that were not prepared. So what happens here is that when it was time for the calling, that everything, the celebration, the coming of the bridegroom has arrived, five of them were ready with their lamps and oil and the others were running out of light. So they go and they tell the other, the, the five that were prepared, hey, let me hold down some of that oil. Give me some. Give me some because I didn't come prepared. And the ones that were wise said, no, there's not enough for both of us. If I give you something that I got, then I'm going to lose out. Better go try. And I said, they were so wise. They just got them out of the way. Go try and buy some from the people that are selling oil. But by the time that they came back, they received the ones that were prepared, and the ones that were not prepared were shut it out. So they come back, and they start banging on the door. Lord, Lord, let us in. Let us in. We're back. We're prepared now. On your timing? On your timing? Perverse generation. You don't come prepared. To the point that he says, I don't know you. Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. The parable, the parable, excuse me, shows us two kinds of people living here on earth. All were created. All have the opportunity to be saved and all the same responsibility of being prepared for the coming of Christ. You know different than me. I'm no different than you. We all trying to achieve the same thing. We would like to think that our mercies for ourselves would overpower the judgment of God. We would like to think that our grace over ourselves would overpower the judgment of God. We would like to think that our love for ourselves would overpower the judgment of God. But then if what I think matters the most, then why would I even need a God to begin with? The signs from the teachings that were brought to us by the pastor, once again, were many will be offended, false prophet, lovers of self, and now we continue to the fourth sign, perverse generation. I have concluded. I have concluded that these four signs have allowed us to witness a self-centered, self-made, and overall ego 
historical illustration of what we see today. Once again, this perverse generation has rejected God. Once again, this perverse generation has rejected God and replaced him with themselves. It's so easy. It's so easy. If what I say matters most, then why do I care what God has to say? If I can determine my own actions and whether it's acceptable or unacceptable, I don't care about the consequences. Why do I need a God? I am my own God. Matthew 16, and I'm getting close to close. And the Pharisees, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it's evening, you say it will be a fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sign is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. Adulterous generation, why can't you receive me. Adulterous generation, why can't you identify who sent me? Adulterous generation, why do you not or why do you continue to reject me? Adulterous generation, why do you place me in judgment? Adulterous generation, why do you persecute me? Adulterous generation, why have you disfigured me on a cross? You see, a perverse, a wicked an adulterous generation is the one that Jesus came as its maker, as its creator to receive them. But they rejected him. In so many ways, we do the same thing right now. We just not real with it. By the choices that we make in life, we reject the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or should I say the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father. Whichever way you feel comfortable to combine it that makes it feel good to you. When you decide that your opinions and your judgment overrides what God already established, you sent Jesus to the cross once again because you're basically saying that his death was in vain. Adulterous generation, why? Because I came as a groom for you, but you cheat on me. You cheat on me. The fidelity is not real. It's all lip service. Everything that you appear is outer appearance. But a God that discerns the heart of man knows. That's why in the song it says, many are what? called but few are chosen and before the song that's biblical all of us are called you're called you're called you're called everybody in this room is called but few are chosen because of the lifestyle and the decisions that they choose to make 
So now what they do is that they come and they play God. But God don't play God. God is God. Three days you will see that I am who I am and I will return for my bride was the words that I kept receiving this morning. Revelation 19, 7-9 says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and for linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. You see, we could do this. And we can bring the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth signs of how to be prepared. But the most important thing is that we continue preaching the gospel because the Bible says that every man will know that Jesus is Lord and that every knee shall bow down. You know, quick testimony. I was working with this gentleman and he told me that he was working overtime because he was going to get married. And I asked him, really, when are you going to get married? He tells me on Halloween. I said, really, why on Halloween? He tells me because that's my wife's or my fiance's, better said, favorite holiday. And I said, are you sure she isn't a witch? That's a demonic day. Are you sure she isn't a witch? And he goes, no, like, she's good. She's my boo. I love her, and she loves me. And I go, great. So I left that job, not because I got scared. I just left for better opportunity, better pay, you know. <laughs> and so what happens is that a year later, I bump into a friend, and I go, hey, how such and such did he end up getting married? He goes, he got married, and he already got divorced. Really? Why? Because it turns out that after the marriage, she wants to become a man, already has a girlfriend, and is taking hormone pills. This is a perverse generation. The first sign should have been there when she wanted to get married on Halloween. But because of his ignorance, because of the blindness that Satan has allowed, but over his eyes, he was stagnant into something that was not to bless, but to curse him for the rest of his life. The only way he will be released from this hurt and the emotional uh, uh, um, discord that's going on in his life is if he comes to the feet of Jesus, that could be the only one to break those bondages. You see, we can come every Sunday, and we can come every Wednesday, and we can come every day and bring you preachings, but it's up to you to receive Jesus. You see, the most thing and the most problem that I have is that when I go to work and I say, do you want to be saved? They'd be like, nah, maybe not this Sunday. And I said, okay, you're going to regret saying that. It's gotten to that point. It's gotten to the point that you feel the presence of God and the coming of Christ more than ever to where 
you are bold enough to tell people you will regret that and you will burn in a lake of fire. Or what? You want to just hear that God is good and God is great? Yes. That God is patient? Yes. That God is merciful? Yes. But that God prepare something for the fallen angels you know that hell was prepared for the fallen angels not for us that was not intended for any of us to be there but since we want to be or better say since the people want to be because I'm not going to include myself since the people want to be a perverse generation then guess what there's a waste adulterous generation that cheats on God with Satan. what they say? You made your bed, now lay on it? That's going to be a tough one, huh? That's going to hurt. I'll leave you with this. A lot of things and a lot of transitions has been happening in our lives. To where I understand that the most people that I've loved, like my mother per se, I needed to, to, to release. I was telling my brother over there about it. That, look, how you say, umbilical cord? I was old and still had that. I was married and still had that. But right now in the season that I finished having it was cut and you ask God why why did I have to go through this season and he shows you he shows you he builds you and he says this is because at the end of the day you are for you she is for she he is for he as one of these storms that we've been having so often I was driving and I seen a cloud, and one of the clouds stood out like a, like a 3D cloud. And I was hearing a song, and I felt the presence of God. And I thought about the rapture. And the one that came to my mind was my mother. That's when I knew that everything between us was supposed to happen, that I didn't overshadow her or allow her to continuing overshadow me. Does that make sense? So when I seen that, and I seen that it was lifted up. I seen that I was lifted up as part of the church. And I seen that she was lifted up. But I also felt that she didn't care about anything else. She was not worried about me. She was worried about being with her Savior. And I was worried about being with my Savior. And a lot of the times we take family members and we place them before God. And it's not like that. It's not like that because at the end of the day, your salvation depends on you. At the end of the day, while you're being lifted up, you can't grab that person and say, we're being lifted up together. If that person doesn't have access to be lifted up. Every salvation is individual. And I think when we understand the concept of this and when we really think about this and put it a play, I think that's when we will finally realize that at the end of the day, I love you, I'll be there for you. But if you come between me and my wedding date, if you come 
between the preparations that I've been working so hard for. People will leave. People will get mad. People will spend thousands and thousands of dollars. We humble. I spent like 2000 on my wedding. That's it. If that, at least. There's people that spend $50,000, dollars $20,000. For what? So they can become divorced in a matter of months, years. To not have a relationship. No longer. To have an experience that... Such and such one was so glorious. But at the end of the day, it don't matter. They ate the cake. They opened up presents. And guess what? You two are stuck with a lawyer because you guys can't stand each other and it's a divorce. You see, nothing's going to come between that. Nothing is going to come between my relationship with God. And I feel... Like, that's how we all should feel when it comes down to it. You see, I bless your marriage. I don't want you to misinterpret or misunderstand and say, what is he talking? No, I bless your marriage. But the marriage that I bless above the marriage in the natural realm is the marriage that's going to take place in the spiritual realm with our Lord and Savior. God bless you, church. Church Minister Eddie Diaz. God bless you. Amen. You know, I was taking notes as Minister Eddie was preaching, and he was telling us about the signs of the fourth, uh, the signs of the end times, the fourth sign. And one of the things he said is we've become, he talked about three categories of people. We have become self-centered, self-made, and egotistical, he said. And by doing that, we have replaced God with ourselves. We replace God with ourselves. Is that not idolatry? We put our, 